The scripture for today is taken from Luke 17th chapter, verses 5 through 10. I'll read from the New International Version. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Thank you, Scott. This is another one of those difficult scriptures that uh, I don't think I've ever preached on in the past. Funny how you skip over so much of the Bible (laughs) when you're picking it yourself, right? But here, Jesus is again teaching his disciples, and he's He's been talking about so many different things. You know, you've got that sermon on the plain where he's telling them, you know what, the kingdom of God is different. You must love your enemies and forgive those who wrong you. You must not return an eye for an eye, but uh, love your enemies. Hard teaching, Jesus. Those are hard teachings. And he's been teaching about our obligation to the poor. Tells a rich man to sell everything and give it to the poor. Tells a story about Lazarus and the rich man. Our obligation to care after the poor. Oh, Jesus, that's a hard teaching, especially those of us who have some stuff. You know, have some money, have some things. It's hard to hear words like that, Jesus. Jesus says, do not be a stumbling block to the children. It's better... If you were to do, if you were, if you cause someone else to sin, if you get in the way of someone else's relationship with God, it's better that you have a millstone hung around your neck. Hard teaching, Jesus. It's a hard teaching. And then just before this text, Jesus says, not only must you forgive your brother or your sister when they come to you once, but you must forgive them seven times seven. You must forgive them over and over and over again. To which finally the disciples cry out, oh, Jesus, you got to increase our faith. Because this is a hard teaching. Increase our faith so that we might understand this. Increase our faith so that we might be able to live up to these ridiculous expectations you have. These superhuman expectations. Forgive my brother 70 times? That's crazy. And yet, Jesus says, look... Even though you're saying to me, wait a minute, no one can really live this way. We don't have that kind of faith. It will take Superman to have that kind of faith. 
religious nuts, they would call us, if we had that kind of faith. Jesus says, you know, it doesn't, you don't need that much. <laughs> and what a funny and dangerous request the disciples make. Increase our faith. It's funny because I would think those who dropped everything and followed Jesus around, they would, you know, we look up to them as the pinnacles of what it means to have faith, right? Dangerous because I got to tell you, the minute you start asking God for things, the minute you start saying to God, you know, I need something more than what I got, boy, you're inviting God to really start messing around in your life. And be careful what it is you ask for. Be careful what your prayer is because you know what? God's going to answer it. And probably in ways you didn't really anticipate or want it. <laughs> and this is a common theme throughout the Bible. If you were to look at the Old Testament text today, what you have is Jeremiah lamenting over the exile, the people of God being taken out of their, the city of God, Jerusalem, and taken to a far-off foreign land, Babylon. And they weep and they long to be at home. But you see, the people of God said, increase our faith. They didn't outright say it, but it was clear to God that their faith had waned a bit. <laughs> and they needed an increase of faith. They needed to walk humbly with their God. They needed to be in a place where they had to really fight for it. And they had to really want it badly. So off they went to Babylon. Here's a, oh, I meant to read this quote from Lamentations. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She lives now among the nations and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. So they weep and they lament, but God's response is, Okay, here we are in Babylon. How bad do you want it? What are you willing to do? To go back to Jerusalem. What are you willing to do to change this lament into rejoicing? How deep is your faith? I don't know if any of you saw uh, this movie, Evan Almighty. Anyone see that? You could admit it. It's all right. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> it's not the best movie in the world. But uh, uh, there are some moments that are, are quite engaging. In fact, I'm going to give you the whole crux of the whole movie right here. I'm going to give you this quote from, um, from uh, the character that plays God, whose name escapes me at the moment. But what, Morgan Freeman, yes. Who is a great God, i got to say. <laughs> but he gives this quote. He's talking to uh, Evan's wife at a fish and chips place, and she doesn't know it's God, but he says this. Let me ask you something. If, you, if someone prays for patience... You think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prayed for courage, does God give him courage? Or does he give him opportunities 
to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? What God responds with when you say, increase my faith, are opportunities for your faith to increase. In response to the request, Jesus says, really what I think Jesus is getting at here is saying, you know what, you don't really need more faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It takes, you know, a grain of a mustard seed of faith. What is missing is some kind of action. What is missing is taking up these opportunities that God lays at your feet to be faithful and to increase your faith. And do what I am calling you to, and your faith will increase. You won't need to work at it so hard. You know, allow me to get off on a rant here for a moment. But I want to say that church folk, you and me, we often miss this particular reality. That the actions we do as a response to the teachings of Christ are the vehicle by which faith becomes real and ingrained in our Selves. And my rant is that, you know, sometimes church is the last place people feel comfortable coming and saying, you know what, my faith is so small. I'm not even sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what I believe. I'm not sure about this whole Jesus nonsense. I don't like what I see on the, on the news. Quite frankly, I pray and I'm not sure God is listening. And often our instinct is to just get away from all that church stuff. But what I want to say is that this is exactly the place to come and to explore those doubts, to explore those feelings of, of, of small faith, to wonder whether there's a God out there at all. This is a good place to come and say, God, I don't know if you're there. And it's a safe place, or it should be, a, a place to come and wonder and not have all the answers. And i got to tell you, more of you have big... You know what? People, people keep coming up to me and saying things like this. You know, I have kind of a strange way of looking at this whole Jesus thing. I'm not very orthodox. You know how many of you have come and said that to me? People would, and this is, what, this is what else you say. People would be shocked if they knew, you know, I don't always buy into, and then there's a list of things that people don't buy into. Like half of you have come and told me all this stuff. You know, if you all just got together and were honest with each other, we'd recognize that we all have those moments when, when we're not sure about it all. When our faith wanes. When we pray... And you don't feel it. And you wonder, is God even listening? Is God even there? And I think what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that don't wait for the answer. Don't wait for the faith to come before you get in there. But get in the game. Just listen to what Jesus has said and try and... Do something about it.
Do something with it. And as you engage, even with your doubts, even with your misgivings, even though you're not sure, as you start to get in there, things will come around. You'll start to see what God is doing in your midst. We don't need more faith before we're able to live, live a life pleasing to God or accomplish the things God expects of us. Quite frankly, if you want to see people who don't have faith but were faithful, look at the disciples. They were a mess. They didn't have faith until they really got in there and put it on the line. Faith comes as a result of doing the things God has called us to. And it's not always easy, but sometimes it's, it sneaks up on you. Here's a personal story <coughs> that you'll hear a lot. I know I'm new here, but over the years you'll hear this story over and over because it's such a great story. When I, uh, you remember the whole Northwest region, Evergreen region question. Well, I was, at, I was a youth pastor at Kent First Baptist Church where we got into a conversation. For those of you who don't know, it's okay. But uh, we got into a conversation about who should we affiliate with. And in the middle of that conversation, the church got so mean with one another. The church got so angry and the factions got so distinct and it turned into an all-out war. And there was one night where the Pastor Richard and I begged the church to stop what they were doing and heal from this war. End the war and reconcile and become the church again. And then we'll decide how to make a decision. Well, they refused to do that that night. And so... Richard submitted his resignation the next morning. And I said, I'm going to, too. I even had it written. And he said, now, wait a minute. He goes, you know, it takes about two years for a pastor to find a job. You have a wife. You have children. Well, we had a child at the time. You know, you got responsibilities. You can't go two years without work. You, you better find something first. And then, you know, just work your way out of the job and not not rock the boat at the moment. I said, but you know what? I think it makes, a, it makes a more powerful message if we both go because it's not, about, it's not about the decision. It's about this community and being a church. And I, I wrote all this out. And I, so I went home. I told Robin this, and I showed her my letter of resignation, which, of course, is filled with righteous indignation and <laughs> all that. And, and she said, well, where's the... What's the problem? She says, is this about money? Are you, are you really concerned about money? Is that what's holding you back? I mean, do you really believe all this that you said out here? Do you really believe? Do you have some conviction here? Money? That's what you're concerned about? We've been without money before. We've never had to. She, you know, she really calls it like it is, right? <laughs> Don't worry about money. Don't let money keep you from exercising your faith. And I, I said, well, you're right. You're right. And so I was a little concerned. And I'm not sure what was going to happen. I thought two years, maybe I can go back doing computer work or something. Anyway, I turned in my resignation, shaking and trembling. And three o'clock that afternoon, 
Shirley Harlow from Wedgwood Community Church gives me a call. Says, you know what, we're stepping up our search process. And uh, we're wondering, you know, you've been down there a couple years. Maybe you're ready to move on to a pastorate. (laughs) Would you be interested in looking at Wedgwood Community Church? And uh, after a long silence, I said, yeah, I'll I'll take a look at you. (laughs) And uh, eight years later, I'm here. (laughs) And it uh, it was an incredible thing. But for me, it was such a... It was a moment when my faith increased. Not because I was certain of what God would do, but because I was willing to say, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to trust. I'm going to do what I know to do and count on you being there. And I'll tell you what, the more I do this, the more it is easier for me to go. You know what, it becomes a no-brainer to say, oh, God will provide. (laughs) And to throw it out there. So my point is, to, to throw it out there, to do what Christ expects, and you will see faith come to life. Feed the hungry and you will see how God is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. Care for the sick and you will see the healing power of Jesus Christ. Forgive those who have wronged you and you will know what redemption looks like. Take risks and live out a bold and radical Christianity and the power of the resurrection will be seen in your transformation. Turn toward, not away, though, to those, not away from those who suffer. And you will see the face of Christ and there will be no doubt. Open up your eyes and your heart to all that God is doing here. And your doubts will begin to seem inconsequential. Step out in faith and you will know the kind of faith as it says in Hebrews, that is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What I'm getting at here is that faith is a product of doing. I've never once prayed to God and poof, like a genie, God magically made things happen. Every single answer to my prayers involved me or somebody else, usually both, me and somebody else, willing to act upon the things that Jesus has taught us. Willing to say yes, even though I don't understand everything. And God brings it all together. I think what Jesus is saying to us here is that the size of your faith is incidental. You just have enough faith to say, I'm willing to act. Then our faith will increase. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we cry out, increase our faith as though we expect you to magically do something to us. And yet today we see the reality that you call us to be people of faith 
and to be faithful and to live out the life you've called us to and even the life we want and long for in the hope that we will see your work, that we will see your wonders and we will see your miracles in our own lives and in the lives of others. Help us to increase our faith. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.